0: Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar.
1: You know, so how big will the solar business be? Then will it be off grid applications? Will it just be for the rich? And my answer
0: to that is no, it's
1: going to be everywhere.
0: Hey there, solar warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs. Who are building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. We are at episode 111 and here on Suncast, I'm always looking for ways to bring you timely and useful insights, but also lessons learned from fellow solar warriors who've had their share of turns on the solar coaster. Today's guest, Tom Tanzi is exemplary and it's been a real joy to see the impact that he's already had on our industry. But I have a feeling it will pale in comparison to what he and the Sunspec Alliance are about to accomplish. It's a topic that affects us all. So get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, as we tune in to another powerful conversation on Suncast. Hey, before we jump in, A little bit on the serious side. You know, there's a hurricane, Hurricane Florence, bearing down right now on the eastern seaboard of the United States. I'm here in North Carolina. As many of you know, it is uh, now taking a turn to South Carolina, my homeland, my state that I was born in, where my parents and family are. And I'm reminded very vividly of the horrible ramifications hurricanes can have on our developed nation economy. Harvey, Katrina... Sandy, but it's nothing compared to the downright damnation incurred by those less fortunate in places like Puerto Rico, the U.S. and British Virgin Islands, St. Barts, St. Martin, Barbuda, many others in the Lesser Antilles and Greater Caribbean have suffered greatly to hurricanes. You know, my prayers go out not just to my friends and family who are about to bear the brunt of this hurricane Florence, But to all those who are still suffering a year later from the terrible aftermath of hurricanes Irma and Maria, and this one hits very close to home for me, and I know that it hits close to home for many of you solar warriors who have been on the front lines serving and trying to help grow out of the pain and desolation and disaster of these hurricanes. It's an interesting coincidence as I've been working this very week to record the episode that I'm really excited to bring to you next week, which is all about the anniversary of Hurricane Maria and the aftermath and impact on Puerto Rico's energy grid. It's a collaboration that I'm pretty excited to announce next week, and it's perhaps ironic that a hurricane is actually preventing me from getting that episode completed. But complete it we will, so be sure to tune in next Thursday for a very special episode highlighting the challenges and opportunities facing Puerto Rico one year after that devastating event. But for now, let's jump back to the episode at hand with my friend Tom Tanzi. All right, Solar Warriors, we got another awesome interview today. I want to introduce you to Mr. Tom Tanzi, the chairman of the SunSpec Alliance, and he's been helping the distributed energy industry establish standards for enabling solar and storage to seamlessly integrate into the smart grid. Today, we'll spend some time understanding what that means. You know, I've known Tom for more than a decade now, since before he was VP at Fat Spaniel and even the GM at Power One. You know, we met around the time he was actually raising money for the popular Zero Motorcycles, before EV and uh, electric motorcycles were even cool. Tom, glad to have you on Suncast, my friend. Thank you, Nico, happy to be here. Do you still have one of those Zero Motorcycles? You know, Nico, I don't. I had zero
1: motorcycles back when I was uh, involved with the company, but now I've gotten busy with other
0: things. And so, no, no electric motorcycles for me today. Yeah, you just fly around. You don't get much time to actually enjoy yourself these days. Well, that's right. I want to uh, spend some time in the beginning here, kind of looking a bit at your background. One of the things that you and I have discussed is that in Suncast, we like to think about how can entrepreneurs today in the solar industry grow their business? What can they learn from those who come on the show about your past and in turn extrapolate how they can integrate it into their own learning in their future? Your background is fascinating and it's one that I think deserves a little reflection. A lot of what you're doing today builds on your foundational understanding of the integration of IT protocols into booming tech sectors. And NetCarta might actually be a name that not very many people recognize today in the solar industry, for sure. Was that something that you'd consider your first successful entrepreneurial venture? No, not exactly, but it certainly
1: was the the biggest hit that I've I've had. Probably the most noteworthy one, given that the company was acquired by Microsoft. So it was definitely a, it was a a fun company to get started, right at the beginning of the internet, and people were wondering. How would we navigate to all these different websites and how do we do it efficiently? And would the internet and intranets make any difference inside the Fortune 500? And so we set about answering those questions in the affirmative. And of course, now the rest is history.
0: <laughs> As you said, you were acquired by Microsoft. Were you part of the team that was uh, involved in that acquisition discussion, how that all broke down? Sure, yeah, yeah, I founded the company. Yeah, I ran the company. I'm wondering if there's anything interesting about the net card acquisition by Microsoft that was something like a, a learning for you that you've carried forward. Yeah, well,
1: you know, the, the comments I have to have about entrepreneurism is like, you know, keep all the equity you can for as long as you can. <laughs> yeah, that, That's the main lesson that people learn. And then, unfortunately, I did all the studying about this before I started the company. Nonetheless, you get caught up in the moment and you're making mm-hmm. deals along the way to keep your company going. And,
0: you know, if you're not careful, then things can get out of hand. By out of hand, I suppose you mean that, that you end up giving up more. Yeah, diluted. You, yeah, <laughs> give up more than you wanted to give up. Yeah. And therefore, an acquisition by a major company like Microsoft wouldn't necessarily be the life changing event it would have otherwise been.
1: You know, it's a good payday for sure. Definitely. Uh, I learned a lot. And the large corporates are the most likely counterparties that are going to buy your company. There's no question about that. But in terms of life-changing event, I mean, it
0: was a nice thing that happened for me, but did it change my life? No way. Well, fast forward 10 years and, you know, you're again encountering the opportunities of uh, new territories, pioneering renewables. I'd love to hear what brought you over to solar. And I mean by fast forwarding 10 years from the mid-90s to the uh, mid-2000s, what brought you to solar and and how did this captivate you such that you want to spend another 10 years of your life here? Well, I'll
1: tell you what, I caught the entrepreneurial bug really early on, right out of college. I mean, my first job was uh, working with a company called Eagle Computer, geez, way back in the 80s. -hmm. And uh, after working there for 18 months, our company went public, okay? And so, which is outrageous. I mean, we went from zero to 100 million, and boy, what a ride. And so, from there, I just caught the entrepreneurial bug. And so, you know, it becomes a lifestyle. So, that's, I guess, another... Big lesson for entrepreneurs is like if you like doing it, then you should go ahead and do it. But you know if it's if it's not a lifestyle that's for everybody, because there's plenty of ups and downs, I mean, there's plenty of failures and so forth. And if you're not prepared to go through these cycles, then you should get out. Of course, the solar business is exactly a model of that. You know, we call it the solar coaster. Right? It's a big joke. The ups and downs, so I mean people that are involved in
0: solar probably are, do have the right type of disposition for entrepreneurism yeah, I would agree with you there. What similarities would you note that you 've identified between that dot com and internet explosion and today 's renewables industry?
1: The revolution that was taking place in i t was effectively i t was for the for the wealthy and for the largest corporations you know setting up networks was expensive and so forth. But however, the internet obviously democratized everything. Now, at the time I got in, the big question that we were attempting to address is, is would the internet and would internet technology penetrate the enterprise? So would there be intranet portals and so forth? And what the investors told me at that time as I was raising money is, well, they asked me a question, how many Fortune 500s are there? And I I said, of course, 500. I said, well, so how many websites do you think there will be in the Fortune five hundred? And my answer was hundreds of thousands. Now, I think in retrospect, I was off by about two orders of magnitude. Wow! Their answer was there would be 500. I mean, it turns out there's billions of web servers inside of the Fortune 500 now. So what's the parallel here? You know, so how big will the solar business be? Then will it be off-grid applications? Will it just be for the rich? And my answer to that is, no, it's going to be everywhere. And I think in California, with the regulations and that they're putting in place, the policy they're putting in place, they're going to make that happen sooner than you can imagine at this point.
0: Yeah, and as goes California, so goes the nation. In some cases, so goes the world. Absolutely.
1: So I like disrupting and being part of disrupting industries. And so you know, there it was information technology for corporations. Now, fast forward, a few years after that, I got involved in another startup, this one called Swan Labs. That was aimed at doing wide area networking, again, for corporations. And so what we did in that case is we brought the banking industry onto the Internet. And so then fast forward from that, just a few more years, I thought, OK, you know, I've done this IT thing with with corporate for a long time. I want to go try something different in my life or last third of my career and do something interesting for humanity. So that's why I was attracted to to renewables. And then lo and behold, as I was dragged into this, it turns out the big opportunity that I saw was actually bringing IT into the energy industry. So I get to
0: do it again. You know, it was about the time that we met that I recall you joining this relatively unknown nationally, but really popular California company that seemed to be on every residential install and growing very quickly. I mean, Fat Spaniel at the time was the first to introduce the idea that residential customers could and should incorporate monitoring into their solar projects. I mean, I remember back in 2006, 2007, we started asking ourselves the question, should we give away Fat Spaniel <laughs> as a part of our, of our, and we ultimately did. We started giving it away as a part of our solar projects, sort of embedding it into the overall project. So Fat Spaniel is the first real uh, software as a service in the solar industry. And a lot of people don't think of monitoring these days as software as a service. They think of businesses like Helioscope and Toolbase as the software as a service where the monitoring was the real foothold that software took. I'd love to hear from you, having been on the core team that took that business to such great heights and sold it to Power One and A B B, what were some of the takeaways for you from your days at Fat Spaniel seeing software become a bigger part of the energy business? And well not just, not energy but solar.
1: Well the first takeaway is that these overnight success take more than one night. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. And so in other words, what I'm saying here is that this idea of of integrating and graining information technology practices into the energy industry, is not for the faint of heart. And it took a long time. Fat Spaniel was a really great concept, but like so many entrepreneurial ventures, it was probably, you know, five to seven years early. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So because the second, third, fourth order derivatives frankly, are the ones that are, are really starting to make a, a name for themselves Right after all that pioneering effort. But, you know, of course, now it's going mainstream. California is requiring data communications everywhere. You know, starting in February 2019, you've got to have it. You can't install the new DER system unless it can talk two ways, command and control. And that's a
0: lot of what you're dealing with today, right? So you've evolved out of the role that you had with really introducing revolutionary technology and protocols into the industry. You have spent the last, what is it, five, six years now with Sunspec. For those unfamiliar, give us an understanding of the mission of Sunspec and what you've set out to accomplish. Sure. Well, Sunspec is, is a very different venture for me. It's a nonprofit. I never thought I would be
1: involved in one of these, but yes, I am. And actually, it's better part of 10 years now that we've been at it. So, with Sunspec, our mission is to develop and define information standards for distributed energy. The purpose of that is to grow the size of the pie. The, the basic notion here is that if we can integrate information technology as part of the grid, then the electrons can get to the right people at the right time at the right price. So this means that cost comes down for everybody and innovation goes way up. And so that's the mission we're we're pursuing is just standards everywhere. We make them up where we can or where we need to, I should would say. And then we use the uh, some existing standards that maybe are underappreciated and promote them uh, where that makes sense as well. So in an example of that is what's happening here in California with this uh, IEEE 2030.5 standard. So this is a TCPIP based standard that was popularized back in the early part of this this decade. SunSpec contributed the distributed energy components of that standard that was back in the 2012 time frame and then in 2017 state of California said that we wanted to use it and now the new 1547 standard has incorporated it so it's 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 now sort of taking on so but that's an example of a of a standard that we don't own per se, but we think that does good for the industry and it's gonna help, you know, make more jobs. And so we get behind it and we're offering
0: tests and adoption services for it. The idea of standards is something that is often talked about on the more technical side of the industry. Sales and marketing professionals tend to get lost in the discussion. They don't really know how to explain it to customers nor incorporate it into their sales pitch. What do you think is some of the areas where sales and marketing and maybe even operations folks do get lost and and how does Sunspec try to help address that?
1: Well, invariably, people like to get down into the bits and bytes. And if you're not a bits and bytes type of a person, then, of course, you're going to get lost in that. But I would say the takeaway for the sales and marketing people is that just look at how information technology has pervaded other sectors of the market, mm-hmm. whether it's in transportation and automotive and banking, let's say, how you manage your finances, how you consume your entertainment and so forth. I mean, these are all industries that are highly infiltrated and based on information technology. Energy is not one of those. Energy is the, the last great bastion to be uh, conquered by information technology. But imagine if the consumers could relate to energy in the same way that they relate to these other things in their life. The consumer experience uh, of it, and the knowledge of it is increased it makes it easier for people to relate to it, which then makes it easier for them to make a decision to go solar.
0: One of the things that we discussed in a previous conversation was how the fact that IT and IoT is coming into business, the fundamental jobs that we call sales and marketing and tech into business right now is going to transition to folks who have this IT experience, right? Because we got remote sales, we got systems commissioning themselves, you got a more intimate experience with the utility I think that's right. I think I think the, the changes that are occurring now do
1: fundamentally change the, the industry. Another area that we work in is in uh, actually safety standard for the solar rays themselves. Mm-hmm. So we have the standard sun spec rapid shutdown you know, the communication signaling. So what this is is a, the a data communication system that runs on the individual panels and where there's a connection back to a device near the inverter, so the communication all happens over the power line. But the idea is that for a first responder or for a consumer that has some emergency that they need to de energize the system, they can hit a big red button and the power goes off. Right? All that magic happens because the network and the information technology system behind it works. And so the impact on the channel and on the industry is that. You know, that that the the industry needs to become savvy about IT. So you're going to be doing a lot more IT technician type stuff, I think, in the future than you will be setting up racks on roofs. So you better get used to that in terms of relating to your customer through a screen to show them how their system is working, about how their system is interacting with the markets that they're serving, about how it's serving their own particular needs in terms of are they getting the, the, the lowest cost, are they reserving the lowest cost to you know, lock for themselves and then you know, perhaps selling them off to others
0: when prices are higher. It occurs to me that a number of things that kind of happen now that we take for granted are standards-based. Things like you said, the need for every plant that has a red button to turn the power off for it to operate in the same way so that software developers don't have to constantly reinvent the wheel, right? <laughs> reinvent the integration and companies like 3 Megawatt and Power Hub and all of the integrators of the data systems and the SCADA systems, et cetera, are all talking the same language. Is that the type of standard and integration you're referring to? Well, I mean,
1: your comments are, are spot on. So I'll, I'll mention another set of standards that we're working on is our <laughs> financial data standards for solar and distributed energy in general. So why is that interesting? Most of the uh, business here done in the United States to date has been on some form of a PPA or a lease. Now loans, of course, are becoming very popular as well. So that means that there's a bank involved. And so imagine if you're a bank and you're dealing with a diverse uh, portfolio, and at the end of the day, if the stuff hits the fan and the bank is left having to provide service to the customer, imagine how, how that bank with it knows nothing about IT, nothing about solar operations is going to act if it has 6 to 10 different monitoring systems, 6 to 10 different asset management systems, 6 to 10 of whatever the next thing is, and none of them speak the same language. It's a mess. Nobody makes any money, and they spend their time just solving problems. Now, you put all these different applications onto a common platform. Now, you have this mix and match capability so that one guy falls away, the next person can stand in their shoes. I can imagine some people in the industry say, well, gee, what happens to my proprietary advantage? I say to you, well, your proprietary advantage better not be based on your ability to speak a common language, (laughs) right? You and I both speak English, right? The fact that you and I speak English makes neither one of us a nuclear physicist. That's right. That's a different deal. But we do communicate to each other about physics using the English language, so get over it if you think that the way that you talk to your counterparty is
0: competitive advantage because it's not. Wow, that's a really interesting comment and perspective. I've never really thought about it that way before. Thanks for putting it into layman's terms. I, that, that's, not, that's certainly outside. Uh, I'm glad you, I'm going to say, dumbed it down for me in that way. And that's super helpful. You know, by the time this airs, Tom, you'll have just wrapped your annual finance summit, or at least you called it the finance summit before, what, eight, eight or so years that you had it integrated with InterSolar. And you've renamed it. The new name is Grid Gridvolution. Could you tell me a bit about Gridvolution and what are the key topics, problems, and focus areas that this summit addresses?
1: It's a funny name, but if you look at the, the, the root, you know, volution, what does it mean? You know, twisting and changing and evolving. And so, we apply that to the grid And that's exactly what's happening now with the grid. We have all different types of new technologies taking place. We have a shift from centralized power being delivered to the consumer to one where generation is completely distributed. We have a shift from where the power generation sources weren't doing anything to enhance grid quality, and now they're doing everything to enhance grid quality. Shifts in business models, et cetera. So, the reason why we went about changing and rebranding the thing is, is that uh, we are going through both an evolution and a revolution in the, in the industry. Now it's a slow moving revolution because these things take time, uh, you know, in terms of product cycles, it's really kind of the blink of an eye to usher in all these new technologies and get it done within two or three product cycles. That's, that's a pretty breathtaking pace, but you know, again, it's, this is the nature of the of the energy businesses that the cycles are longer, but still, you know, we're accelerating that. So, so that's the idea around it. And then in terms of what we're going to be talking about, it's about the risks and opportunities. You know, so for a financier, that's what it's all about. Okay, we know that there's an opportunity, but what could go wrong? Right. And so that's what we're trying to highlight is what are the what are the benefits that we're getting out of all these new technologies? Where do we stand on the maturity curve? What can you do to sort of mitigate your investment in it? Because this is going to be a very much bigger business in the future, even than it is now. And so it's about getting prepared for that
0: future. Very cool. So, Solar Warriors, look for SunSpec Alliance. You should learn more about Grid Evolution and the fantastic summit that they host every year, which you just missed, but don't miss it next year. I know. You're listening to this episode because you're tired of doing things the old way and looking for a new approach. And that is precisely why my friends at CPS America, aka Chint Power Systems, have agreed to help make this fresh content possible for you. See, they believe in the power of change and the importance of trying something before others catch on. They are the U.S. market share leader of three-phase string inverters, pioneering that approach since before it was cool. With over two gigawatts shipped in America... Chint's feature rich, high performance inverters and its nimble service team are ahead of the pack, just like you. If you'd like to find out what CPS can do for your CNI and utility business, reach out to me for an intro, nico at mysuncast.com, or you can reach out to them directly and just let them know you heard it here on Suncast. Tom, I'm going to segue into a section we call hot or hype. I'm going to name a specific market or topic area. You spend 30, 60 seconds on whether or not you think it's hot or hype and why. So we'll start with microgrids as a core part of the future of our grid. Not hot and
1: not hype. <laughs> it's somewhere in between. So I would say a few years ago was pretty hyped up. What's happening right now is, you know, all this research that we're doing about how to hook these distributed energies together and orchestrate them so that they're cognizant of each other. Well, guess what? Those are the building blocks of a microgrid. So the better that we do our job here in California and Hawaii for building these uh, you know, smart inverters, smart DER, closer that we're going to get to microgrid. So microgrids are undergoing sort of a co-evolution, if you will, right now with the distributed energy. And I think it's they're going to be mainstream, right? So you know, so first of all, we're distributing the power sources. Now we're going to distribute both the the loads and the sources, but then still
0: have them be able to cooperate with each other when required. Very interesting. Moving to the next topic, hot or hype, the nexus of distributed energy and e-mobility. Definitely not hype. And my answer is going to be similar. And
1: I I would say if you're looking to go make a bazillion dollars in in that uh, intersection, well, good luck to you. I mean, it's it's probably the right time to get started. Uh, But definitely, these two fields are coming together very rapidly. There's a big sort of a standard battle, if you will, taking place here about about how these different resources will be managed. That's converging pretty well at this point. I mean, we're in a lot of advanced discussions to integrate chargers and electric cars and so forth. I think it's going
0: to be hot in the future. Right now, we're it's a lot of spade work. Well, moving on to the next topic here on hot or hype, blockchain as it relates to energy. Blockchain as it relates to energy, I would say completely hype. A distributed
1: ledger as it pertains to energy, really spot on. I think the distributed ledger nature of the blockchain technology, I think is going to be fundamental for settling up, if you will. So for example, your solar and battery system on your home. Starting in 2019, 2020 in California, it's gonna be interacting with the grid and providing reactive power support, maybe voltage support and so forth. These are individual commodities that have value to someone and someone is gonna be need to be paid and compensated. Quite likely that a distributed ledger will be
0: the thing that accounts for all that. Right, and what I heard you say is that the notion of the current hype on cryptocurrencies around energy is just that Is hype, but actually taking it one step further, you mentioned all of these energy systems are going to be able to provide var support and voltage ride through. They're going to be able to provide demand response on site using local distributed energy. The next evolution of that is transactive energy. Do you think transactive energy today is hot or hype? Pretty hypey. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Again, uh, I think you need to. So transactive energy. So for those that haven't heard of it, is basically it's the idea to do economic optimization on the energy grid, basically at any time with anybody and super really cool concept. However, you have to have command and control systems underlying it that actually work. So you can dispatch the commodity that you need it when you need it. So it's got a ways to go there. But once that happens, the natural evolution, of course, is to go from sort of a mechanical, let's just make sure everything works well, to optimizing
0: economically. So it's in the future, but right now it's pretty hypey. I get it. I get it. What are the mega trends that you're presently seeing in the industry? Sure. Well, I would say
1: the first one is broad adoption of storage, of energy storage. This was a component that was, I think, originally conceived when people thought about putting PV systems together. It was too expensive then. It's not now. And you add storage to the mix, and now you have a fully dispatchable system. So that's one you definitely need to keep your tabs on. On the technical front, the IEEE 1547-2018 version, that also represents a, a huge Change and it's going to kick off a mega trend of smart DER everywhere. So, 1547 governs smart inverters, any kind of distributed energies, and it's the law of the land. 2005 Power Act uh, mandated that every state has to follow it. So, that mandates intelligence in the DER. It also mandates data communication. So, in the DER space, yes, we've had monitoring, but we haven't had full control and integration with the utility. So that's a, that's a big one. I would say another big megatrend that falls on straight behind that is basically the changing of state interconnection laws. And Hawaii was 14H, California was Rule 21. These are the first two dominoes to fall. Both of these states preceded this change to the national standard. But now that the national standard's in place and the state of Hawaii and the state of California have stubbed their toes and gone through the learning curve, the rest of the 48 states and the rest of the world can take advantage of that. So that'll result in a complete makeover. Then finally, just in general, the embedding of intelligence into distributed energy is is a huge trend underlying this. And if you're familiar with the National Electrical Code 2017 for safety purposes, this uh, so-called rapid shutdown standard where uh, each individual module has to be de-energized within 30 seconds of, of some event. Well, that requirement has caused the panels to start talking, right? So now once the panels start talking for safety purposes, why can't you use that same capability for self-commissioning, for self-awareness, if you will? So that just means that the, the biggest thing, uh, wrapping the last you know couple things I mentioned is, you know, hey, IT is here to say, and if you're going to be selling, installing operating, you better get really comfortable
0: with these concepts. I completely agree. And as megatrends, these are things that if you're operating in North America, you're certainly aware of. Uh, if you're not operating in North America, there are trends that we will likely see extrapolate themselves over time through Latin America and other regions and countries who often look to NAC code, often look to North America for standards.
1: Well, I can give you a couple of really great examples of, of other Countries that are picking up on all these things, Australia, for sure, in fact, using many of the same standards that we use here in North America, if not the same ones. And then China, China is watching what we've done. And so one of our business partners reported to us that it looks like China has lots of activities with these intelligent modules and so forth. So they're going to adopt it for, for their own local market. So you don't get any bigger than those markets. That's right. And you mentioned uh, you're going to be visiting India in the new year. Is that right? Headed to Bangalore in December. Another huge market with a growing rooftop market. And this was surprising to me. We think about China and India about uh, you know, having the huge utility scale businesses, which they do. But rooftop markets are in both India and China are anticipated to be very large. And so then we'll have the same consumer concerns about what's the user experience? Is it safe? And so forth, which means us technology that we're,
0: you know, stuff we're building right now will be deployed there. You mentioned rule 21. I want to, I don't want to skip over it. There probably are a number of listeners who've heard of it, but they're just not clear on rule 21. Can you explain rule 21 and also why is this and other market drivers dictating how solar is going to evolve? Sure. Absolutely. Well, rule 21 it's
1: California rule 21. So it's, it's the state's interconnection rule. So if you want to install a system on the distribution grid, you have to get permission to do so. And and that means you need to get an interconnect permit. So all rule 21 is California's rules and regulations for doing that. As uh, distributed energy has become more popular, more States have had to come online. I think the majority of the States now have their own uh, interconnection rules. And so, so why is that important? I mean, it's it's where the rubber meets the road, if you will. It means that not only do you need to be acquainted with all the megatrends and all the core technologies and market drivers and so forth, but the local regulation that allows you to set that system and turn it on. And if you can't navigate past that piece, then then you really don't have a business, right? So it's the thing that could block you from coming in. That's why you need to get acquainted
0: with these things because they are changing now. Now, we've mentioned SunSpec.org a number of times, and it's a nonprofit, member-supported, is doing great things for the industry. Among them, not only creating events, but you've created a number of tools. Can you expound on what a listener might be able to find at SunSpec related to tools and how they can opt in to this uh, open-source network of tools you've got? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, well, first,
1: we're supported both by dues-paying members, but also we do a lot of uh, R&D work with research labs around the world and, of course, in, in the United States as well. And so in terms of the, the tools that you might find there, so if you're building products, if you're building DR products, whether it's you know storage products or smart inverters and so forth, you'll find all the specifications for how to make these things talk and how to respond to commands. There's, of there's course, open source software available for facilitating that as well. If you're in the operational or asset management part of the business, we've done quite a bit of work in best practices in O&M and best practices in asset management. We've done three versions of the best practices for O&M with National Renewable Energy Labs. And so that defines the ways that you can spend your money to get the most out of it for operating your systems. And so to complement that, we've defined and developed a, a tool set, software tool set, to allow you to do that modeling so that you can go to any jurisdiction and set up basically local wage rates and, and the local uh, measures that you might have to do to operate and maintain your plants, whether that's snow removal, if you're in the, in the Northern snowy climate or dealing with dust for desert climate. So clearly one size does not fit all. And there is a, there's a horses for courses relationship here for asset management, O and M. So we have that there's lots of software tools and, and of course, information about what's changing in the marketplace. This is probably the main thing that our, our members ask us for is uh, what's this changing regulation? And how does it affect the technology that we're dealing with, which is intersection of information technology and distributed energy? And how is that going to change my business?
0: So we have lots of videos about that and, of course, training and the like. Yeah, it sounds like not only myself, but most of my audience is going to want to go and spend some time on Sunspec and get smart. Uh, You know, what I find amazing is not only is this an extremely valuable resource for those of us who are operating in North America, but our friends across the pond who are looking at bringing businesses into North America. I mean, I think about some of my friends who are bringing technology from Europe or from Australia to participate in the U.S. market. I mean, First stop is sunspec.org and really learn what's going on, know how your product and your business can position itself in this industry without the missteps that you might find in the first year if you're unaware <laughs> of the standards required or the, or the ways that the marketplace is changing, just as you indicated. Well, Tom, as we transition to a segment of the interview, I want to think about the lessons learned. And you've pointed out a few early on in the interview, but if you were to look back and give yourself advice over the last 10, 15, 20 years, when you were starting out in solar and as you were transitioning away from IT into solar, unwittingly knowing you were coming back into IT, could you think of any advice that you'd give yourself back then that you would want the Tom Tansey of 2005 or seven to know? Well, don't deny your true nature, <laughs>
1: and if you're good at something, then go ahead and do it. Uh So, as a younger man, I, I would look at at the oldsters that seemed to just keep repeating what they started from from day one. And I thought, oh, how boring that would be. By trial and error and so forth, you know. It turns out that people are good at certain things and they're not so good at others. And so, you know, if you want to have a have a happy, fruitful life, and you know whether that means you making a ton of money or having job satisfaction, find out what you're good for and sort of stick to it. The other thing that I certainly have embraced for myself and I encourage everybody is this one thing that you know about what you know, but it's another thing to say how quickly do you acquire new information? The name of the game right now is knowing about where to find information so you can acquire it. And so that's what I would say. Develop your, your skills at becoming a lifelong learner. And that's trite, but it means applying yourself, right? You know, it's like, yeah, sure, you could go take a course or whatever, or you could just get on the Internet and dig it out and figure it out for yourself. And then that means maybe you can go find a better course to take. That's what's going to give
0: you a competitive edge. I love both of those. Don't deny your true nature and be a lifelong learner. Two things that we talk about often here on Suncast. You, I imagine, have not only been a mentor for others now, as you have had some success in your career, but I I would bet that you've had mentors along the way. I'd love to know what key lessons or takeaways you might share from the key mentors in your life. So I'll just provide a few
1: anecdotes. I had a a manager fairly early on in my career, and I was a Yes, guess I was director of of marketing for a, a company that was coming in from Europe and to set up here in the U S so we were setting up this marketing, you know, platform. So I was producing voluminous reports for him. He said, no, here's, here's one piece of paper. We're going to divide it up into a grid, put your plan on this piece of paper, write me a short story, not a long one. And that was so difficult to come up with succinct cogent ideas that were actionable to get them on one piece of paper, but once I was able to do that, boy, what a gem, what a, what a skill that was just to, to sort of refine your thinking, whether it's your key messages, your key targets, and so forth. That's one sort of tactical thing. I suppose the other big piece of advice that, that I've learned either through osmosis or directly is that all businesses are people businesses be careful about who you treat people on the way up because you may need them on the way back down as the old song goes. But but really more more to the point is that in an evolving industry, people are moving around. So develop those people relationships, do what you, you can to understand other people, speak to them at their own level, be respectful. I mean, just look at the old golden rule, right? Just treat others how you'd like to be raised. Like, like
0: my mother said, just pay attention in kindergarten; you'll do fine in life, kid. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that I often focus on, Tom, is I believe that readers are leaders, and I know that the leaders I bring on to Suncast are often uh, intense readers. Is there a book that's most influenced a positive change that you've made in your business or personal life?
1: Yeah, I guess that there there has. Uh, so I've also read quite a bit of the works from the Dalai Lama. I particularly like his philosophy because it's a it's one that that states you know that most people are just trying to seek happiness and avoid suffering, and so if you can if you focus in on on those those two factors, it's like hey they're not generally trying to get to you; they're just trying to optimize their own happiness and avoid their own own suffering. That just helps you to relate with people, Warren. Again, I'm a, I'm certainly a people person. This is how I have conducted. That's how I've been successful. Yeah, I read a lot, but also. I get along with folks. And and so I would say, hey, that might be a little too wavy gravy. Don't get me wrong. I'm a cold-blooded capitalist as well. (laughs) These things are, to me, are not incompatible.
0: That's right. I completely agree with you. And it's just insightful. You know, for me, it's always insightful. I ask this question of everyone because I'd like to see how people I consider great thinkers and leaders inform themselves. I guess along that line, I might ask as an, as another probe, Where does Tom Tanzi look to stay sharp and ahead of his peers with regards to clean tech and even solar? I pretty much read everything that comes across my desk. You know,
1: in terms of our business, a question that I often get asked is, you know, what the heck does all this finance stuff have to do with, you know, operational control? My answer to that is, well, it's all based upon the common set of information. And so, I try to be mindful of the fact that this is a big business with lots of moving parts. So I mean, of course I read all the bankers' reports, I get online to hit all the market research. I go to all the normal sites that anyone would, Reuters, Bloomberg, Green Tech Media. And so forth, and then furthermore, if there's something that's uh, of interest to me, I'll, I'll go and, and track the the data back to the source, and so meaning go read the original papers that come out of the research lab. So we can find something that's popular now. Actually, go back to the source and find out, you know, what was the original idea that came on. And Boy, the internet's great
0: for that, and YouTube's great for that as well. Tom, what one thing do you do consistently that yields the greatest impact or results in your life? Garden. Aha. Uh-huh. So why do I say
1: that? Okay, so I I spend a lot of time at work. Okay, probably many people say I spend too much time at work. And so the reason why I answer gardening is that uh, this is basically for a person that's speaking to people on the phone all day long. It allows me to uh, basically not have to talk to anybody. So I can just kind of be in my own head and and do something that allows my mind to wander, and you know, and I, and I'm I'm really curious about how living things work as well, and you know, I become a pretty good gardener as a result. So it's just a good hobby. So that's another advice I'd give
0: to entrepreneurs: is definitely get a hobby, because otherwise you're going to get boring. I love it. I love it. That's fantastic advice. Well, Tom, as we wrap up here, I would love to give the Suncast audience a way to reach you. Where can people find you? Are you on Twitter? I know you're on LinkedIn and we'll link to that, but you know, do you have a Twitter account? Well, Sunspec has a Twitter account, so I
1: don't tweet too much myself, but yeah, LinkedIn, you can find me there, sunspec.org, Tom at sunspec.org. I'm around, you can see me at SPI. I'm going to be in Berlin, December at the PVIOT conference, uh, Bangalore at the Intersolar conference, and then Solar Asset Management North America, a variety of SPI events. Uh, We're we're out and about pretty often on the speaking circuit. So contact me. I'll let you know a city that we can meet up in.
0: Yeah. And I'll also, I'll make an invite here to folks. I'll probably be attending uh, some portion of it. The annual Sunspec Alliance annual meeting is during SPI. I think it's on that Thursday morning. Is that right? It's on the twenty seventh of September, yeah. So we'll be meeting starting at
1: uh, at eight thirty, and then we'll have open session starting at at nine thirty, and we'll go for a couple hours. And uh, there'll be certainly a hundred people there. Or so talking about all the subjects we had here, and then again, uh, this just happened, but uh, September twelfth, yeah,
0: the uh, the Gridvolution Summit. So lots of ways to connect with and interact with Sunspec. I'd encourage you to check out their website and also you know, follow them on Twitter. Certainly reach out to Tom if you have any questions further to that. Let's end today, Tom, with a bold prediction. What one thing do you see happening in the market that perhaps nobody else is tracking? What's in your crystal ball? A bold prediction. Hmm. You know,
1: I think that electricity is going to get really cheap. Yeah, I can't really claim that this is uh, original, but I think it was underplayed. I think Bob Metcalf probably 10 years ago, the guy who invented Ethernet, he he made this bold prediction. But I think this is underappreciated that I think electricity is going to become really cheap. And it's going to be about how do you steer the electricity and how do you do other good productive things. And so imagine if you will, If uh, energy costs, which which is a driving force for the Fortune 500 for delivering their products and service, imagine if the cost of energy went to zero or at least close to zero. What does that mean for the consumer? What does that mean for the way that business works? I think it it has fairly profound effects, and, and I think that's where we're going.
0: Profound indeed and a lot to ponder. That's a bold prediction. And I love uh, ending on that note, Tom. So thank you very much for coming on Suncast, sharing from your well of knowledge, and we look forward to seeing you at SPI and catching up with you at all the various Sunspec events. Thanks, Nico. I really appreciate being on and getting a chance to share my views. Well, well, Solar Warrior, today's discussion was a lot of fun. I learned a lot. I hope that you did as well. There is so much that Tom is teaching us, he's teaching me, about this notion of grid evolution and what the Sunspec Alliance is doing to help with distributed energy resources, the integration, basically the IT integration of our industry, dealing with California interconnection rules, Rule 21, with cybersecurity, with rapid shutdown, and so much more. My brain is pounded from all the things I learned. What is also amazing is the unbelievable number of resources and open source architecture that SunSpec has sponsored and brought to you. So get over to sunspec.org and check out not only Gridvolution, but check out all of the resources that they have there available for you. It's there, free for the taking. Open source software, come on folks, what's not to love about that? Well, maybe one more thing to love more than open source software might be (laughs) you being in this community. If you've been listening for a while now and wondering how you can connect more and how you could help, would you please consider supporting the podcast financially by becoming a member of my Suncast tribe? They're some of my favorite people on the planet. You can go to mysuncast.com slash member to learn more. Of course, while you're there, you can also join hundreds of other solar warriors to subscribe to the email list. And as always, if there's a topic or expert you think should be on Suncast, please shoot me an email or a tweet. I'm at nico at mysuncast.com or at nico, M-E-O, Nico Mayo, or even LinkedIn. A lot of you find me there. (laughs) Woo-woo! SPI is the event of the year for many in the U.S. And it's only a couple of weeks away. If you're heading to Anaheim, please let me know so we can schedule some time together. If you're on my email list, then you'll be getting an invite next week to the Suncast Tribe Happy Hour. And I encourage you to please sign up so I know how many people are going to try to come. It's going to be on Tuesday evening, the 25th, probably sometime Latino hour around 9 or 930, honestly. And since you're clearly interested in SPI, you won't want to miss Tuesday's episode as it's the no Before You Go episode of SPI. If you listened back in July, I did this for Intersolar, got great advice for you all, and as well, got some wonderful feedback. So if you're interested or curious about how to maximize your time and efforts in Anaheim this year, Tuesday's episode is a must listen. So it's an action-packed week. Next week, we're going to talk about Anaheim and SPI. We're going to talk about Maria and Puerto Rico and resilience. And we're going to introduce next week some really fun partnerships that are going to just be, they're going to be fantastic for Suncast and for you, the Suncast tribe. To all my current tribe members, I wish you much love and great success. And I hope to see you in a couple of weeks. If you'd like to join them, you know what to do. Go to mysuncast.com forward slash member. I look forward to formally welcoming you into the tribe as well, my friend. And thanks again for showing up. It's half the battle.